This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 5th, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. Free speech, school choice, and other big issues will be front and center for the new term of the Supreme Court. But this will be a lighter term, at least if cases so far granted a hearing are any guide. So says Ilya Shapiro, editor of Cato's Supreme Court Review. Despite high, some high-profile decisions, the last term of the court produced relatively few dissents. Is there any reason why that is? Um, docket selection. You know, they take cases that don't make the front pages of the, of the newspapers but are very important. Uh, but the court uh, seems to agree on those technical issues of statutory interpretation and the bankruptcy code, say, or uh, uh, some business regulation or, or, or something like this. They're just not controversial cases. And when there is uh, dissent, it's not uh, ideological. It's just different uh, interpretations of, of technical law. And does this keep the trend of the Roberts sort of house cleaning court of taking care of things that probably ought to be cleared up? I think so. Um, you know, on the other hand, it's it's just an indication of how much, uh, how many dumb laws there are out there for the court to, uh, you know, unanimously or near unanimously reverse or government abuses uh, in terms of how they treat uh, uh, people at trial or, or convicts after trial or what have you. Uh, that the uh, that the court has to clean up, as you said. Now, one of the high-profile cases that uh, the court will be hearing deals with the famous Phelps family, and they're famous primarily for uh, being jerks at uh, sensitive events and uh, protesting. This is a free speech challenge uh, coming to the high court. What is what is the challenge here? Right, the case is Snyder versus Phelps. Um, it's uh, revolves around Fred Phelps and his merry band of religious bigots. They think that uh, U.S. soldiers uh, deserve to die uh, abroad and, and elsewhere because uh, that's God's retribution for America being tolerant of homosexuality. And they go about not uh, protesting at the Pentagon or White House or what have you for U.S. policies, but uh, uh, at individual soldiers' funerals with really you know offensive uh, placards. Um, and uh, it's kind of a, uh, I've looked into this group a little bit. It's kind of this cult-like little sect. Uh, I mean, it's not like you have other religious groups that are, you know, go almost as far as them. They're, 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 they're unique in the country. So what is the, what is the meat of their challenge? Uh, they protested this one particular funeral in Maryland. Um, the father uh, sued them for intentional infliction of emotional distress and won, a, I think, $11 million from the jury, which was overturned on appeal uh, because they had the First Amendment right to protest. What's curious about this case is apparently the father didn't know about their protest until he saw the nightly news that night uh, and then followed up by reading their website. So it's not clear whether the funeral was disrupted in the first place. But that would seem to be a matter of state law. There's no constitutional issue to determine whether there was actually a disruption or not. So there's some curious factual things going on here. And ultimately, this case can be resolved by property rights. Uh, whether you're a private cemetery or a government-run one, you can enforce rules against trespass and time, place, and manner restrictions on when and when you can speak and, and when you can't. Uh, you know, Legitimately, you can do things in the privacy of your own home or in a private club that you can't do in the middle of the street. So um, I'm not sure how the court will deal with this. I mean, this is not, uh, you know, the uh, uh, this generation's Skokie case with the, uh, the neo-Nazi marchers in a Jewish suburb of Chicago. 
Um, this is kind of a one-off, idiosyncratic, you know, gaining a lot of attention because of the perverse facts of the case. But I don't think, uh, whichever way the court rules, that this will reverberate uh, on a lot of uh, First Amendment cases in future. A lot of states have so-called Blaine amendments that prevent public funds from going to uh, private education. These are anti-Catholic measures built into a lot of state constitutions. Arizona is trying to offer something different that is a tax credit for uh the provision of education to people who, who pay for it. What is the challenge there? This is essentially the flip side of the Zellman versus Simmons-Harris case that uh, the Institute for Justice won in 2002 involving vouchers for schools in Cleveland. This is tax credits. So the uh, under Arizona law, uh, you can set up a scholarship a tuition organization, what's called, uh, and accept uh, people's write-offs of, of, of their tax credits uh, as long as you, it's, it's regulated, you have to give out 90% of your funds uh, to parents who are looking to send their kids to whatever school uh, of their choice, uh, whether it be private, uh, charter of various kind, religious, non-religious. Um, and as it happens, a decreasing majority of the total funds that are being generated by these tax credits are going to parochial or religious schools. Um, I think the court will easily reverse the Ninth Circuit here. It's kind of gone off its rocker and tried to enjoin this program uh, because there's uh, individual choice all the way down. Uh, it's, it's an individual choice to form one of these tuition organizations, uh, for a parent to apply, apply to, the, uh, to get a scholarship, for a taxpayer to uh, write off uh, and donate to a particular one, uh, and for schools to choose to receive them uh, or not. So the, all the Arizona... Uh, government does is uh, change their tax code just like they do for any sort of charity or, or religious organization. They don't uh, somehow advantage uh, religious uh, schools or any other kind. Given the question that the interests are trying to put before the court, the very often different questions they're trying to put before the court, what do you think is the most important case uh, in this term that's so far? Well, there's 55 cases on the docket, and it's a pretty uh, low-key term so far. We've, we've talked about the, the two First Amendment ones. There's a couple other First Amendment ones, violent video game sales to minors in California, uh, which is unique in that uh, the plaintiff in that case is also an action hero represented in some of these video games, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I think the court, following up on last year's decision in the depictions of animal cruelty case, Stevens, where it refused to carve out a new category of unprotected speech, will say the same thing. Look, the uh, private rating agencies about which Cato's brief uh, discusses in some depth uh, are doing a good job, and, and government here is, is neither here nor there. So I think that's going to be a pretty easy uh, win against the California law. But other than these First, First Amendment cases, you know, there's some... Uh, business cases with regulations of pharmaceuticals, uh, employment, um, uh, employment of illegal immigrants in, in Arizona, not the law that's been talked about all summer, but a, a different, uh, uh, less controversial one. Um, uh, vaccine regulation, seatbelt regulation, I mean, things that are important to the business community, but uh, are not going to uh, again, make make front page news. So far, a lot of, uh, as you put it, the uh, the cleaning of uh, the lawn in various technical areas. But perhaps the court is taking a break after last year with the Citizens United on campaign finance and the extension of the right to keep and bear arms, uh, separation of powers cases, freedom of association. Maybe they're just saying, all right, we're just going to deal with uh, all these other ones that are bottling up before uh, before next year we start having to deal with Obamacare and gay marriage and uh, the real Arizona immigration law. 
Former Solicitor General Elena Kagan is now on the court, but she'll be sitting out a lot of cases, and I can imagine lawyers on both sides perhaps don't care for for that uh, that outcome. Yeah, whenever you elevate the Solicitor General or any other high-ranking public official, uh, you're going to have recusals, and she's recused simply because she participated in the government's decision-making on how to file, whether to file in, in particular cases. Uh, that happened with Thurgood Marshall, the last Solicitor General that was elevated. It happened with uh, William Rehnquist. Uh, he had been in the Department of Justice. So it's not unexpected that she'll be recused, but uh, it does lead to the unfortunate circumstance that there uh, may be a high number of 4-4 decisions, which means that the lower court opinion is uh, affirmed without comment from the Supreme Court. So a lot of uh, resources that will have been expended uh, for not essentially at the Supreme Court term. And it'll take a while to really figure out what kind of justice Kagan will be. I mean, for the first time, she has nowhere else to go. You know, in her ambitious career, she's kind of positioned herself and avoided taking strong stands. Now, you know, she's not positioning herself for anything else, you know, unless she wants to be Chief Justice in 20 years or something like that. But um, her influence will be felt in how she writes her decisions and whether she's able to convince her colleagues to join them rather than uh, in particular vote per se. I mean, it's pretty fair to say that uh, she's not going to be the second coming of uh, Clarence Thomas or something like that. But more broadly, she represents the fourth new justice in five years. We have a, a, a very different and much younger court uh, than, uh, than five years ago. Uh, we had uh, no changes for 11 years. Um, and now we'll, we'll see what the different dynamics are. As Justice Byron White was wont to say, a new justice means a new court. So now we've, you know, we've changed almost half the personnel, um, and it makes for a different dynamic at oral argument, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, as the opinions start filtering down over the next few years. Ilya Shapiro is a senior fellow in constitutional studies at the Cato Institute. You can order a copy of the Supreme Court Review at cato.org.